The Hawaii Sports Radio Network on 95.1 FM and AM 760 presents Wake Up in the Den with Kubule Agbayani. Good morning, beautiful people. It's Wake Up in the Den. I'm Kule Agbayani alongside Paul Brecht woo, and Michael Lescaro sporting his Scoring Live sweatshirt today. Shout out to Scoring Live. Be sure to go to Scoring Live. Yes, you're on the camera too, Michael. <laughs> ScoringLive.com for all of your high school sports content. Content. Well, happy President's Day, and as I just tweeted out not too long ago, surprise, surprise, we are still rocking and rolling here at the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, as we do. I feel like all of our longtime listeners should be used to, to us pretty much still hanging out and chatting with all of you on holidays. I feel like we've pretty much the only ones we take off are the what I like to consider more of the family holidays, like your Christmas and Thanksgivings, of course. But other than that, we just cannot go more than the weekend without talking to all of you. But at least the roads were clear. So you got, you know what? Fun fact, Paul got here way earlier than usual. So it was actually quite shocking. I thought I was seeing a ghost because like I was in the other studio and I thought I saw something in my peripheral. And I'm like, who's in our studio? It was none other than Paul Brecht being like 20 minutes early, so it, no no traffic today. It was very strange. I left at like 7.10 this morning. Um, one, because you had sent us the, the traffic blockage. Road closures, yeah. Whatever, uh, last night, which, thank you. Um, and I won. Um, it's bad, bad job by me. Sound, I sound like Coach Laura Beeman being like, oh, I still can't pronounce the, the state fish. Uh, I did. You sent that. Those <laughs> that meant nothing to me. I was just like, oh, there are going to be roads closed, and I I assume they're going to be mine. So I just left early, and uh, yeah, no traffic, and none of the road closures impacting my trip in. So I got here twenty minutes, uh, twenty five <laughs> minutes actually before the show started, and I didn't see your car here. So I was like, wow, I beat Koo. I come up, I'm in the studio, and out of my peripheral, I see somebody in the studio next to us, <laughs> and I hear AC Studio talking to them, and then I hear the other person talk, and I'm like, wow, that sounds really like Kule. And then I look over, and it was you, and I was like, oh, I'm going to go surprise her. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so yes, I was very early this morning, and I was excited. I wanted to talk to you beautiful people, so... Uh, here we are. We're, we got tons of a fun, fun weekend to talk about. So much fun stuff happened. Oh, it's a crazy amount. And uh, as Paul mentioned, he did not see my car, which at the end of the, of the show, I will tell you about the very interesting um, last maybe 15, 18 hours or so of <laughs> travel slash car problems slash all kinds of stuff that I've been dealing with uh, <laughs> within the span of, yeah, just less than a day. So it'll be a whole thing that we can finish off wrapping up this show, but don't want to spend too much time on that 
right now. Uh, as you guys know, I was out in Kona over the weekend spending time with some family. So I wasn't able to be here for Beeman's Big Bash, but it was quite the success that we will get to. So definitely recap the game. Also talk some men's basketball, some HPU basketball as well. Give Paul some um, venting time of talking about the NBA All-Star game coming up a little <laughs> later as and all of that stuff that's going on. Um, but really quick, though, because... I told them that I would give them a shout out, my cousins, that is, uh, over the radio because they were, you know, wondering why I was leaving. I said I have to do a show uh, because I don't take any of the days off. So got to give a shout out to some of my cousins, uh, Lepua, Nicole, Lindsay, Kahea, and all of the Kachola slash Beater clan that are likely tuning in right now, as they said they would. So they asked for a shout out and they said they would be listening to us live. So I'm giving you guys a shout out right now. Again, they're, they're still out there enjoying their time out in Kona, but we are here uh, partying in the den while they are still partying in Kona. But at, le- at least I said I would give them a shout out because I had to work today. So there You're it is. There, I, lo- I love you guys. So can't wait till the next one to for all of us to hang out again. All right. Now, we'll start off big because both of you gentlemen were there for Beeman's big bash that resulted in a 68-64 win over UC Santa Barbara, redeeming their regular season loss earlier this season and it was a seemed like a tale of two halves I mean especially when it comes to scoring you had Deja Phillips that had a very very good first half and then you had Lily Wahinekapu that really turned it on in the second half scoring all but just three of her points in the second half alone so resulting in a win in front of the record crowd for tickets issued and also in attendance via the turnstiles. So before we recap that entire win, want to first a play for you because there, I mean, we're used to, to Coach B, like just having these bangers of quotes, but want want you guys to hear it for yourself. This is what head coach Laura Beeman had to say following that win. Yeah, um, obviously very memorable night um, for me personally. It's uh, to have so many people come out. Um, I know it was for these kids. I also know a bit of it was for me. And that really, really means a lot to me. 12 years I've been here. I miss my California family, but Hawaii fills the hole pretty good. Um, To have this many people here tonight, I promise you my mom was in tears on the couch um, watching this and just the tribute to this team, to the program, to the hard work. Um, So I just cannot, I don't have enough of the right words. I probably need Kanoa for this um, to just thank people. Um, And my appreciation just runs incredibly deep. Uh, as far as the game goes, we gave up 36 points from three. That's not something we do. We're much better from behind the arc. We need to figure some things out defensively. We've kind of stalled. Uh, we need to get back to much more aggressive defense, much better team defense. Uh, offensively, I thought Deja Phillips had an amazing first half. She carried us, uh, got 1,000 points, which is pretty spectacular to do that in one of the biggest attended games ever. And then Lily turned it on in the second half. So the one-two punch showed up, and it was really fun to see. Uh, hope fans come back hope they see you know what we're trying to build here the excitement that was in this place it was electric and they definitely carry us to this win tonight um, so work to do but uh, absolutely just uh, just thrilled for this week and tonight and everything in a minute obviously a, a, a super special night I'm just curious if there was a moment if you had that moment where it really kind of hit you um, how, how special it was you know, coaches have a tendency to be able to compartmentalize and sometimes to an unhealthy level. And I, um, I tried not to think about tonight all week. I tried not to think about it, you know, when I walked out and saw the kids in the tunnel and 
when I, actually when I walked out from my office, there was a line, and I actually stood on the balcony and thanked people, and I thought this is this is very surreal. Um, coming out from the locker room, you know, the kids were out there in the tunnel, and then walking out and, and hearing the ovation that the players got and, and the staff got. Um, I think at that moment I was like, oh, this, this might be for real. There's a lot of people here tonight. Um, and I think the absolute moment where I, I let it hit me was after the victory and just seeing the crowd. And, and that was just really special. This will definitely go down in my memory as a really cool night uh, in my career here in Hawaii. Early on in the game, uh, Santa Barbara got off to that like, 8-2 to two start. Um, the magnitude of the crowd and the, like, the moment did it, yeah. for the players, was it a little jarring or nerve-wracking, do you think? You know, I think that if the sh we played really good basketball those first four or five minutes. Our ball movement was really good. We were getting paint touches. We were, we were moving the way we asked the girls to do it, and the shots weren't going in, and that's when I was like, uh-oh, we're tight. I think if those shots go in, I don't know if, if Santa Barbara ever comes back from that. We got down eight to two, and I think a little bit of a flashback of, uh-oh, here it goes again. This is what happened in Santa Barbara. Shots weren't falling, and then they stopped kind of buying into the game plan and tried to go back to a lot of one-on-one, -on -one, pounding the arrow on the ball. Um, and we just had to go in at halftime and say, hey, look, you know, you can't have the paralysis by analysis. You know, you, you can't let this crowd affect you in a negative way. You've got to get back to doing what is working, and, and that's moving the ball, sharing the ball. And I thought that in the second half we did that much better. But pros and cons of that crowd, right? We're not used to playing in front of this. Um, those shots go in, maybe a little bit different story. They, maybe they stay with the game plan a little longer, but it took us a while to get back to it. What is it about Deja? We've seen her in, in the biggest moments. Uh, it seems that she just takes her game up to another level. You mentioned it tonight, you know, scoring her thousandth point in front of that crowd. What is it about her that makes her so special in those biggest moments? To quote Deja, I'm a winner. That's Deja. Deja's a winner. Um, she doesn't mean that cocky. She means it with great humility. She puts the work in. In her high school career, she's won, what, four state championships, and we've won with her here. She doesn't think about the moment. She is just in the moment. And when you can play in the moment, you do extraordinary things. And Deja has a tendency to just be in the moment and do extraordinary things. Um, you know, when she hit her thousands, I said, hey, you hit your thousands. She goes, did I? And I'm like, yeah. I was like, feel free to hit a thousand more in tonight's game. I'm cool with that. And she was like, oh, okay, let's go. And move on. And that's just the way that kid has been. And um, I, I couldn't, in my entire career, she's up in the top of kids I'm proud of for their growth and for just how she loves her teammates and how she loves her staff and how she loves herself. And that's, that's huge. In kind of a similar vein, when we're talking about special guards, Lily, a phenomenal second half especially, uh, to kind of similar to Deja's first half buoy, you guys. Uh, what can you say about her tonight, and uh, especially in front of that crowd? Uh, you know, she's back home here yeah. in front of 4,000-plus. Uh, I think the crowd got her a little bit in the first half. Um, I also think that she saw runway in the first half and then wasn't recognizing how quick the collapse was coming and was struggling getting off the ball. And the second half, because of some of the things we did offensively and the way they rotated defensively, they didn't have that same ability to collapse. And when they can't collapse, she can get to the basket. So for whatever reason, uh, the lights weren't as bright for her in the second half, and she was able to get to the basket you know, uh, hit a big three, free throws until the very end. Um, but yeah, I think that winning in, in, in an environment like this for her uh, was, and the way she played was very special. This is a little bit of a broader question, but on um, the state of the game of women's basketball, college basketball, I mean, Kayla Clark just doing what she's done, and UNESCO's, you know, going ahead there with Steph Curry today and the 
shootout at All-Star Weekend. Um, you guys have this, you know, great event going on. So I don't know if, if this helps, like, kind of crystallize it all. Like, you know, just what your thoughts on the state of the game of women's hoops are right now. You know, I think one of the first times people asked me, you know, why would people want to come and watch basketball? And I said, sometimes it's tough. It's like watching water run uphill. We're not, we're running downhill now. I think women's basketball is absolutely running downhill. We, we play really good basketball. We're skilled. We shoot the ball very well. The only thing we don't do is play above the rim, and there are women that are doing that now. Um, I also think that there's a little bit of difference at times, and, and not, I don't want this taken out of context and, and across the board. I don't think the women ever forget why they play. You know, we're not going to go sign a $60 million con contract in the, in the NBA. We're playing because of the little girls and the little boys that are in that tunnel. We're playing because of our community. Um, even in the WNBA, you know, I was there for a year. You play for your, your community. You play for your crowd. Those women stay after games for hours and sign autographs. And it's, it's never the, hey, I'm too cool for school. Um, and I know that's not across the board in the men's game, but the women's game, it's, it's, it's really evolving. Um, and I think it's fun to watch. Um, and I think it also means something for women to see very strong women on the court being successful. And I, I hope advertisers get behind the women's basketball because that's really the difference where the money isn't. Um, and I just hope that we can continue to play good ball in the state of Hawaii so people want to come and support this amazing group of young women because they're good, good kids. They're really good kids. I just ask you about the, um, you went kind of small, that one uh, lineup in the second half, just kind of what the thinking was, because Whitfield was still out there, and was just kind of, you know, where, where uh, you were sort of seeing that. Yeah, Whitfield was a little bit of a hard matchup for Jackie, and we knew we were going to have to give Amani a breather, so they also have to guard us. And, you know, Whitfield had to guard Deja at times, and so we were kind of looking at, can we go small, spread out the court, get a little bit of transition, get more driving kick, you know, make them have to play us a little bit more one-on-one, -on -one. and we have all the confidence in the world that either Melani or Deja can guard Whitfield. I know you don't like to look really, really far down the line, but it, it's hard not to think back to last year, you guys going to face LSU at their place and mm -hmm. uh, that environment. How much can a night like tonight help prepare you guys later on in the postseason when those crowds do continue to get bigger and bigger and louder and louder? You know, it's funny because that was pregame. You know, pregame was you have a community that loves you and believes in you so much that they're going to give you their time tonight to not only support you tonight, to not only help you stay in first place, but they don't know how much they're preparing you for the NC2A. And that was exactly the conversation, that take every moment that is in front of you and make it an opportunity and you're gonna have a crowd. It's gonna be nerve wracking, it's gonna be exciting, it's gonna be electrifying. Take this crowd and, and take the time they're giving you and embrace that. Um, I think the girls did. And I know they're gonna look back on this night and just go like, wow, this is, this is really cool. Talk about the 12 years going by so fast, Coach. Mm -hmm. uh, what have you done to instill community service at Aloha to your girls, the women, and what you're doing for the community behind the scenes? Days are long and the years are fast. Um, I think that these kids over 12 years and this community has instilled as much aloha in me as I could ever reciprocate to the community. Um, you know, it took me a while. I remember in my first interview, I said, please don't ask me to pronounce the state fish because I won't be able to do it. I still can't do it. Um, and as I just went to speaking engagements and watched the local kids and watched how the kids in the locker room were and the expectations, it was never about taking. It was always about being a part of something. And it was always about being a part of something so much bigger than Laura Beeman, 
and what we do in that locker room. And so those conversations of trying to define aloha, you can't. You, you live aloha, you feel aloha, yeah, I don't think you can define it. Um, but it's being a part of something bigger than you. And if you truly embrace that, then you know what aloha is. And that's what we try to instill in the locker room, is little kid wants your autograph, you stop and give him an autograph, and you take a picture, and you're in the ball. People are watching you, do it the right way. You know, if you're asked to go read to some kids, let's go read to some kids. And you know, if you're asked to go volunteer someplace, let's do it, let's do it the right way. Um, and just represent the way that you know we expect you to represent. Uh, and I think that over the years, for the most part, this team has done that. You know, I, I want us to be on the front page, but for things like this, not other things. And I think they've done a fantastic job. But I think that I've learned as much about what that is and what that means is I've been able to teach, that's for sure. Last for me, just uh, you were not probably the most comfortable with this whole like Beeman's big bash and you sort of allowed yourself to take on some of that responsibility for the sake of the program and exposure and the kids. Um, how much pressure did you feel with the crowd coming out the way it did to win tonight under these circumstances? A lot. You know, and that's where the compartmentalizing comes in, where it's like, don't think about it, don't think about it. And I, I will tell you, there was a point in the fourth quarter where I said to myself, would you rather win tonight in front of this crowd or win when it counts in Henderson? And I had to stop. And I said, I want to win in Henderson. And I was like, you know, don't hate me. <laughs> and this is the conversation that's going on. You know, I'm not thinking X's and O's all the time. I'm thinking, you know, angel devil. And... I, I thought, what would the fans rather have? Yeah, of course, we want them to come back, and of course, we want to win in front of tonight. But I was like, if I have to pick a choice, talking to God is what I was doing. God, if I have to make a choice, <laughs> if I have to make a choice, I want Henderson, and so we can go to the NC2A because I know how much that means to this place. Mm -hmm. That that means something when we can go on and represent on a national stage. Thank you for not making that we make that choice or anybody else. But um, yeah, I, I think tonight I'll probably go home and. I will probably have a pretty emotional moment of what this means to have people come out and want to support these kids, but also want to support Laura Beeman, and that's that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Tug at the heartstrings. That was University of Hawaii women's basketball head coach Laura Beeman immediately following Beeman's big bash where we saw a record in attendance, both tickets issued and through the turnstiles and no other coach and especially this team and these young ladies deserved that support more than ever. Hopefully that record continues to be broken for the rest of the season. So I'm putting it out there to all of you fans. I definitely will be there for the rest of the games, but way past the break. So we'll be right back to recap the game itself on Wake Up in the Den. Back to more Wake Up in the Den with Kukule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Welcome back to Wake Up in the Den. Kukule Agbayani, Paul Brecht, and Michael Lescaro uh, in the house on you on this President's Day. Again, hashtag team no days off. <laughs> but there was just so much to recap over the weekend, especially in the world of University of Hawaii sports. Uh, as we were talking about earlier, the 
UH women's basketball team coming up on top 68-64 over UC Santa Barbara on Saturday, completing the, I guess, the unofficial term that was thrown out there earlier last week in the trifecta for this women's basketball team that no one no one wanted to sports jinx at all. Uh, but nonetheless, they comp- completed, won their game on Thursday, beat UCSB on Saturday, and broke the attendance record of 5,000, what was it? 5,000, there we go. I lost my number for a second. 5,068 tickets issued and 4,080 fans officially through the turnstiles for Beeman's Big Bash. And I almost forgot to mention, sitting alone on top of the Big West Conference for the women's side. Uh, But I, unfortunately, sad face, but at the same time, I was still enjoying family time was not able to be in attendance for uh, Beeman's Big Bash and was not able to watch majority of the game. I got to see clips of it. So I will uh, turn it over to Paul and Michael to give their expert analysis on what uh, transpired in that win. <laughs> expert analysis always makes me giggle. It is. It is expert <laughs> analysis. It's just this very flattering, you know. But no, it was a very fun, <laughs> it was a fun game and a fun night from the moment that it started. And you heard Coach Beeman talk about it a little bit where it's it's almost overwhelming for even the Hawaii players. And you could see that early on, I think, where a lot of the shots were just rimming out. They were good process on offense shots. The ones that were typically used to seeing the Rainbow Wahine put up, and they just wouldn't go down. And that kind of continued into that second quarter as well. And if you look at the actual numbers of the game, it's a significant difference first half to second half in terms of shooting. And it really changed when Deja Phillips came into the game for UH. She rattles off those 11 consecutive points, becomes the 24th player in program history to ever score 1,000 points which, once again, congratulations to her. Mm-hmm. What what a phenomenal player, person. Uh, I was glad Coach Beeman gave her her flowers post-game as well, just in the matter of, yes, we knew she was talented, but also her mindset and everything that she does, how she treats her teammates and the staff. Like I, I was very happy to hear her get her flowers from Coach B. And then in the second half, Lili Wahine Kapu turns things up to another level and I thought that was really cool I mean you set the record for attendance under coach B and one of the largest crowds ever and you're a local girl who Mm -hmm. didn't necessarily have her great first half that we're typically used to seeing from Lily and it takes you until the final moments of the half you know just over a minute before halftime to finally get on the board and then to explode in the second half like that and really help UH take control of the game was impressive. Uh, And it's been kind of like that all year where Deja Phillips is this engine, but then the rest of the team, the depth of the rest of the team, any given night you have somebody else stepping up and they'll give you some big performance. And I say, oh, anybody else. Lili Wahine Kapu was the leading scorer entering this game and... Once again, she puts up season-high 20 points. She was phenomenal in that second half, and they all were. And at the end of the day, that type of thing is buoyed. That type of thing is able to get put up there because of you beautiful people, the people who made their way out. And, I mean, we have been begging for weeks and months on end for you to go support this team. 
And you guys did. It felt like a playoff game, an NCAA mm-hmm. playoff game, where you you heard me talking to Coach B in the in the post game, and I compared it to that LSU game from last season, where you have seven thousand, ten thousand screaming fans in the arena yelling at you, and this time you had them yelling for you, and that's an experience that these young women deserved, and I was so so happy to see them get. Yeah, and um, I think one thing that I love that Coach Beeman said after the game, you know, to the crowd was, you know, thank you guys for your time, you know. And, you know, she's really big on the players doing a lot of community service. One thing I liked about uh, Deja Phillips in the first half is she got it done on both ends of the court. I think, you know, she came in and hit a three to make it eight to five. But the points when she scored a thousand points, she got a steal and went coast to coast and and got her thousand points. So showing her her, um, talents on both ends of the court. And in the second half, I thought there was just better energy. You know, um, first half, I think they were trying to settling for a lot more shots. I mean, they were open. They were just trying to hit that big shot to get the crowd really into it. But at halftime, they kind of settled down and, and gathered their bearings. And, you know, second half, you know, Lily Wahine Kapu just pushed it more and transitioned more. And she's probably the fastest player on the court. You know, if you see some of our clips on YouTube or on Instagram, you know, the players have their, the other team has her their back while she's pushing at the floor in transition, and they move the ball around. You know, I think uh, Ashley Toms hit a big three in the corner, but there was movement side to side, and, you know, I was trying to film video on my phone that we post on our Instagram, I'm like, left, right, left, right, and then, you know, <laughs> on the right, you have a big three. But it was an incredible night to be a part of, you know. Um, you know, some some crowds early in the season weren't that, that, that great, but, you know, just to see you know, fans there and to see a winning product. Cause uh, I know coach Beeman was saying, you know, do I take this win or do I get the, the big West in Henderson? Right. And she'd rather have the championship, you know, as all coaches probably would say, but you don't want to let the fans down on this night. Right. Because if you take a lose a, a loss, you know, trying to set the tenants record, then maybe fans don't show up to the next Beeman's big bash or, 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 you know, when we try to push those numbers. So, it was great on them for coming back in the second half, making the adjustments, and that's what you want to see um, as we get closer to the postseason. Well, and that's the crazy thing. When you look at the final stats and your two players that hit their thousandth uh, points this year or this season were their two leaders for this game. But as I mentioned earlier, the interesting thing, and you guys were kind of talking about it with the first half and how they still have to figure themselves out in the second half, where Lily had scored majority of her points, 17 of her points actually out of the 20 in the second half itself. So uh, just proving that they can at least reset and gather themselves. And even Coach Beeman had said that during the postgame press conference that, you know, yeah, they got to settle down. And you're right, exactly. They need to they needed to win mainly in front of that crowd. So people, at least all the people who weren't able to see it yet and maybe listen to this show that I hope made it out on Saturday, uh, realize what we've been harping on for like since what August when we no October since we had Coach Beeman join us in studio which you can see by the way on our YouTube channel uh, when we had her join us and we kept saying come out support this team they're so fun I always go back to what Paul said when we went to their media day like when we're looking at this roster and looking at the size that we have and the the returning talent and the new talent like man this team is going to be nasty and we've been saying it how many times game after game. And seeing the crowds not only get bigger, but even, you know, the thousand or so that's regularly been in attendance, you guys have been so loud and it's been awesome to see and just to see the attendance record get broken officially this time around. And you add that they were loud and the autograph line was like long and it was it's something beautiful to see because 
I mean, you see all of nationally how big women's basketball is getting. So, hey, let's jump on the train, man, and support our women's team who wins. I'll go back to uh, just talking about all the excuses or whatnot that sometimes Hawaii fans have, which are valid. I understand all these reasons uh, wholeheartedly, but basically all the reasons or excuses that people have to not go to games are broken by this UH team. So, you know, hey, the pricing, it's expensive to live in Hawaii. It is. It's $7 for an adult ticket, $5 for seniors, and free for Keiki through high school. So affordable family night. Um, Oh, I don't want to go support a team. I don't want to make my way all the way out there to see a team lose. This team is a winning team. We're number one, baby. Uh, And they have all the chance to three-peat for the tournament title. And then local players, right? Oh, we want to support our local players. Uh, We have quite a few of them and quite a few that contribute day in and day out to the game, including one of the main leaders in Lili Wahine Kapu. So there you go. Those are usually the three common reasons I hear from fans not wanting to go support teams, uh, certain teams, you know, like your mainstream sports like football, men's basketball and stuff. But there you go. This is like the It's the perfect trifecta. trifecta. (laughs) I'm glad you're on the same thought process as I was because it is that perfect trifecta. And not to mention... You also have girls from different islands here in Hawaii, too. Not to mention you have girls who played at the different levels, where whether it's in the ILH at Iolani or played at OIA. We we had that story run earlier this year about Hallie Birdsong and, mm-hmm. you know, the Kalani grad. And it, it's a fun team. You mentioned how they win and win and win and win. It's so much fun to be there. And last night was the culmination of all of it. And... To see the autograph lines be so long nearly an hour after the final buzzer, nearly an hour after the alma mater is played by the band and everybody is there and everybody is staying. Like, and that, that was the part of it where it's the staying power. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, staying for autographs, staying to meet the team. And I had somebody comment on my Twitter post where it, it was said, like, it looks like this team, and it well-deserved, earned themselves a lot of new fans tonight. And they did. And I hope those fans come back. Because, like Ku said, it's an affordable night for the family. It's an affordable night for you. And it's a fun night. It is so much fun to watch a team who wins, who plays for each other, and uh, just good people. Good yeah. people who want to be together. Unfortunately, for some of the fans that are late to the party, there are only two home games left for the Rainbow Wahine. Six games total for the uh, conference, excuse me, five games total for the rest of the season, but only two home games left, uh, which will be Thursday, February 29th against UC Davis, and then senior night, Saturday, March 2nd against UC Riverside. So uh, hopefully, this is not going to be the attendance record for the rest of the season. At least we will hopefully see all of you guys back and then some on senior night to send off. Well, that's the scary part, too, is that there really aren't any seniors except for Ashley Toms and Olivia Davies uh, officially. I should say it that way. But all of the other players are likely returning, you know, next season. But the only two players listed as seniors that will be on the way out. So that's even more exciting to even anticipate. And new players coming in like the 
girl that can dunk, apparently, from New Zealand. I'm like, what is well, going on? Not to mention, we, we talk about local girls, and we talked about Jovi, mm-hmm. who, who has missed true. this entire year and might be making her way back in terms of health, but Coach Beeman kind of alluded to just a, a redshirt year this year, not bring her back, not waste the year of eligibility. You add her to next year's team as well. So uh, just such a fun unit that I don't... I. It feels unfair of me to be like, could be even better next year. They're 12-3 and three in Big West play. But it, it feels that way because so many key returning pieces, and how many years in a row are we going to be able to say this? So many key returning pieces are coming back for another year next year. But that's looking way too far ahead because yeah. the job's not finished. We'll focus on this season first. We're trying to go to <laughs> Henderson, and like Coach B said, we'd rather have Henderson. Yeah. And... We'd rather have Henderson and what will, I mean, it has to almost be a guarantee at this point, should they three-peat, that they will even get a better seed in the NCAA tournament. But we digress because, again, we got to take care of business first, close out the rest of the season, go into the tournament, uh, and, yeah, it, it'll be a fun time. But we got to step aside again. We'll be back to talk UH men's basketball on Wake Up in the Den. Wake Up in the Den with Kuule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. This is giving me Vegas vibes. <laughs> this is giving me Circa vibes right now. Welcome back to all of you, the beautifulest of all the beautiful people. Let's Wake Up in the Den. I am Kuule Agbayani alongside Paul Brecht. And Michael Lascaro, a.k.a. DJ Mike G. <laughs> we can never put in that sound effect now because no. that is going to be our own sound effect. <laughs> if we for... do, we have to make the sound effect ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anywho, we're talking a lot of UH basketball recapping the weekend. Uh, now moving over to the tough loss that Hawaii faced on the men's side, falling on the road to UC Santa Barbara, 77-71. Outscored UCSB 34-25 in the first half, but the second half, UCSB 52 to 37 in the second half alone, hence uh, lifting them above the Rainbow Warriors 77 71. Uh, leading the way for UH was Tom Beattie, 15 points. I would like when I went back to look at the box score, I'm like, am I reading this right? We had Tom Beattie leading the scoring, uh, followed closely behind Bernard by Justin McCoy and Bernardo da Silva, each with 14 points apiece. Once again, I will. Give it to Mr. <laughs> Paul Brecht for his expert analysis on what happened in this game. It, it was a tough second half for a few reasons. Um, one, obviously, when you have a nine-point lead going into halftime, anytime you lose that game, it, it hurts. But I did tweet out, I wasn't necessarily surprised by Tom Beatty being the leading scorer because I did tweet out during the game, uh, you the Tom Beatty game uh, with a question mark. In parentheses, and the reason I did that for anyone who was confused is for the reason that actually happened was that they lost, so it's not technically the Tom Beatty game. <laughs> um, it, it's a little classic thing that a lot of Knicks fans typically do uh, whenever a random bench player uh, tip, has a career high game. And Tom Beatty, I mean, 
how many weeks in a row now are we talking about his development for UH? He started a few games this season, and he looks like a kid who's going to be a star going forward for the Rainbow Warriors, where he's got the size at the guard position, and that's something that I know a lot of fans are a little bit worried about, or at least were worried about going into this season with a Javon McClanahan, Juan Munoz, Cody Williams, all of them not necessarily these bigger, lankier guards that we've started to see in college basketball a lot of times where you, you're 6'3", 6'4", 6'5", with a, a good wingspan, and that's more where Tom Beatty is, and he showed off on both ends of the floor where he started to knock down a couple of three-pointers, and if that's something that can become a consistent threat for him going forward, that's a really good tool for Coach Iran Gana and this staff to have. And defensively, I want to point out he had the assignment against A.J. Mitchell on a few mm. different possessions, and he impressed me with both his strength, with his ability to get to the spot, and obviously Mitchell is an NBA-caliber type of player, a guy who, whenever he does end up declaring, whenever he does go to the draft, I think he'll end up being a second-round pick. He'll be a, he'll be a guy who can contribute to a, a winning basketball team at a higher level. That's impressive for a true freshman to go out there and compete. And listen, sometimes Mitchell got his buckets against uh, Beatty. Yeah. And sometimes he did against Noel Coleman, who we also know is an elite, like, all-league level defender. So I was impressed by Tom Beatty in that sense. The second half was tough for a few reasons. One, the Bows offense not as efficient as we saw it was in that first half. Juan Munoz not necessarily as good a game as he's had over this past three-game win streak. Justin McCoy had 14 points, but even he, I would venture to say, probably felt he could have scored a little bit more. 5 of 12 from the field, and a few of those looks could have gone down. And in in a game that ends up being as close as this one was, that hurts to, to lose that. And, and at the end of the day, it was Josh Pierre-Louis who ends up being the thorn in the side of the Bows, who in that second half, creates some turnovers, gets out in transition, scores at the basket, and does a nice job leading the Gauchos back in front. And this is a loss that hurts for UH, but also at the same time, you kind of felt like the, I don't want to call it luck, but a loss was coming. You're not going to rattle off an unbeaten streak to finish play. As much as we do love that team and love this team in this studio, it is not one where you look at a UC Irvine who has just blasted through the Big West Conference this season without much apprehension. The Bows, they've still needed to figure some things out. When your best player in a game is a freshman in Tom Beatty, Mm -hmm. you know, there are some things that obviously not all questions have been answered yet for the Rainbow Warriors, but a lot of them have been, and that's what's been impressive over this stretch, and they still split on this road series. Yeah, but see, is this one of those games, because it was so close and it was a second-half game for UC Santa Barbara, is this one of those games where someone like your Jovan McClanahan (laughs) could have definitely contributed and maybe be that player that we've seen him be so many times in the past to step up and eventually or essentially lift the Rainbow Warriors down the stretch in a game like this? And and that's a good question, and it's one that I personally feel the answer to is yes. These are the type of games where Javon really helps because he's a guy who, similar to Noel Coleman, can go out and get your own shot. He's a guy who can be a creator a lot of times, and 
he's got enough wiggle in his game that he gets to the cup. And even if he doesn't finish, he's getting to the free throw line a lot. Think about the rate that he gets to the charity stripe. That would have helped in this game, especially in that second half. When you see, I mean, you see Santa Barbara shot 60% in the second half. So I, I don't know how much Javon's defense helps uh, create a, a difference there, mm-hmm. though. It does seem against Josh Pierre-Louis, uh, Javon's had some fun battles previously. But nonetheless, it's a type of game where you look at and you're like, dang, probably would have liked to have our senior point guard, even if it was just in a reserve role, to come off the bench and give you six, eight points in 12 minutes and just didn't have him there. And in that sense, we continue to await Javon's return. He was questionable, a game time decision, I believe for this past Mm -hmm. Saturday's game. And that that's encouraging being that it it means he'll hopefully be back ahead of the big West tournament. And that's where after this past stretch that UH has had, all of a sudden your thoughts go to that tournament once again, because if you want to make, the NC2A tournament, you're going to have to win the Big West one. So that, you're you're pushing your way back up. You've got a few big games coming up, a massive contest against Long Beach this upcoming week. And uh, we'll, we'll see from there how, how the Rainbow Warriors end up. But this is certainly a game where you miss a Javon McClanahan's creation and offensive ability because of uh, just what sputters down the stretch. One field goal over the final five minutes. Oof. Yeah, can't squeak out the close games like that. All right, I got to step aside, but just to recap, so the men's basketball squad is currently sitting at seventh in the Big West Conference standings. Uh, The eight teams make it into the tournament. However, UC San Diego, who is currently second in the Big West Conference, is not eligible to make the postseason tournament this year because they're still, which I still don't agree with, but whatever. That's just the way that it is because they have there is still in the transitional period between Division 1 to Division 2. So Hawaii, uh, they're in control of their destiny right now, need to continue to uh, look for these wins to close out the season. The women, on the other hand, are sitting on top alone at the on the Big West Conference standings at 12 and 3 and UC Irvine right behind them at 11 and 3 and UCSB at 10 and 5 uh, but still need to close out this season and hopefully get the best seating in come, come the tournament in March all right we'll be right back to close things out on Wake Up in the Den. Wake Up in the Den with Kule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Welcome back to Wake Up in the Den. Kule Agbayani, Paul Brecht, and Michael Lascaro. Surprise! <laughs> Game time decision that, you know what? It's a holiday and we're all here anyways. And especially Michael drives all the way here on Monday from Waipahu. So you know what? We're going to do it. We're just going to do our two-hour show today. And it is also a YouTube show. So we're just having a good old party. It, it, it rings true to my tweet this morning that I said, despite it being a holiday, we are still partying in the den. So we do. Yeah, cool. You would be a fun coach to play for. You know, game time decision, <laughs> YouTube show, game time decision, uh, two-hour show, you know. <laughs> that could be a, a, a segment later on. Uh, maybe you should ask my former players. I'm not that fun to play for. <laughs> Actually, uh, well, I don't know. They they seem to like me. I was just a very mm, 
that was a hard coach. <laughs> I was given the term uh, after the, which I don't know, is that bad to say now? But anyways, it was like our post, it's the truth. So I'm just going to say it. Uh, it was like after our post game or our postseason gathering where we went bowling. And you know how you can put your your name for the bowling. Yeah. My players put Coach Nazi as the. That's crazy. <laughs> I can't believe that. I you know like, what? That happens. I was like, I was like, thanks guys, thanks. But but then I again, what age? Because you coach some... JV, so they were like twelve. Well, to I was gonna say right, fourteen year old. Those because JV girls uh, are mean. Like just, <laughs> I'm just gonna be be straight. I got a little sister. I remember that age. she was mean. So I don't even know if it was anything you were doing or if it was Who just. Who knows? But it just makes me age. chuckle. Where Michael was like, "Oh, you'd be a fun coach to play for," and it just brings me flashbacks to. Uh, but I will always. Every time this comes up, I will always like. I will never ever forget to give all of the parents of the players that I pr- played for a shout out because in my four years at Midpack, I never had any issues whatsoever with parents. And I know some of you other fellow coaches that coach not only high school, but other coaching Hmm. leagues, you're probably like, really? So yeah, shout out to the parents of the players that I coached at Midpack for those four years because no one ever gave me any issues about anything and they were like the most supportive, which I thought was how it was. And then I find out that yeah, that was very rare for going that long and not having any issues. <laughs> I was also very lucky with my group of parents uh, that I, I got to coach their kids. Shout out to all of you. I love you. Um, they're all in college now. I can't believe that. That is sickening to think about. Oh, my goodness. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, I had a really nice group of parents and a really nice group of kids who worked exceptionally hard. I was able to ask a lot of them and... They did not give me a hard time as a young coach, so I do appreciate that because it definitely is is not. And to be totally fair, not every coach deserves that type of true, grace because true. a lot of coaches do go a little bit too far trying to be disciplinarian because there's not only that, but a little obvious favoritism sometimes, yeah, all so, of those kinds of things. So yeah. I do appreciate all the uh, the parents and the players that we're under coach Brecht's reign uh, that that we're always very uh, forgiving to the mistakes that I, I made during that time because once again coaching is very very difficult that's why I mean if you're a fan of our show here you you hear us we very rarely will go super hard on coaches because there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that people aren't privy to that you have to it's a lot more than X's and O's when it comes to coaching. Uh, it's a lot about managing the Jimmys and the Joes, you know. So, uh, you know, some coaching talk here on this, on this as, Aloha Monday. As we're closing out the first hour, because, yeah, like we kind of started this whole segue is that game time decision during the last commercial break. We we're like, you know what? Let's just hang out for a, a second hour because I didn't get to have Paul go on his rant about the NBA all-star game no. and other stuff, catch you up with some high school uh, sports that are going on this week. Cause that's still rocking and a rolling. And then uh, later this week, we finally have the return of HPU baseball and softball here on the Hawaii sports radio network. So we'll let you know how that's going, especially with HPU baseball on a tear so far through open up the season. But, uh, you know, like to finish off this last like minute or so tell you about the interesting time I had in traveling back here. So, uh, just real quick, I felt like I like Paul Brecht was like wishing his like bad juju on me for like the um, 
his 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 troubles that he has with his traveling uh <laughs> <laughs> his uh automobile of source but uh so when i was in kona we were trying to like if you guys have been to the big island and it's definitely not like here and i know that with transportation being re- readily available and uh where we were staying in waikoloa is about 25 minutes away from the kona airport and um yeah we ordered we couldn't find the uber so i made i was like okay well, let's just call the taxi taxi cab said we'll be there in 20 minutes i'm like okay cool and then they're like, oh, just kidding. When I called them back after 20 minutes, we'll be there another 20 minutes. Mind you, we're already pushing it. So, yeah, it's um, dang it. I'm running out of time already. I thought I gave myself a lot of time, but we, we do need to. Hour I know. I yeah, we do have a second hour. So I'm going to leave you at the, you know, at the edge of your seats for my interesting story. Cliffhanger. But don't go anywhere because we will be back for a second hour uh, on Wake Up in the Den. Back to more Wake Up in the Den with Ku'ule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Welcome back to Wake Up in the Den, Kule Agbayani, Paul Brecht, and Michael Lescaro jamming out our number two game time decision, our number two on Wake Up in the Den because it is a holiday. It's President's Day. I feel like I haven't seen a car pass by uh, right in front of us on North King Street. Oh, as I, oh, they're right on cue. Okay, <laughs> but still, nonetheless, not two. a lot of cars on the road. Uh, shout out and congratulations, though, to all of the participants in the Hawaii Pacific Health Great Aloha Run this morning. Uh, I, you know, I have never done that yet, actually. So maybe one day. I think you I'm going to do the. See me running. Yeah, I might. I think this year I will do the Hawaii Pacific Health uh, Women's 5K. But other than that, I don't know. Shout out you for that, because I will not be well, running. Well, you can't anything. participate. Well, first off, first <laughs> off, how dare you? Second you can't. Off, second, I, I can run a 5K that day. I can't participate in the women's 5K. Hey, that's what I meant. But <laughs> I can run a 5K that day. I won't because I will not run. <laughs> the only running you'll ever see me do is when we get this media league up for uh, for basketball here in Hawaii. But nonetheless, shout out to all the people who do run and all the racers because uh, you guys rock. <laughs> I mean, is Simply, simply put, you guys rock. If you, I don't care what your time is. If you went out there and you did it, uh, I'm very proud of you, and I'm very happy that you did that because I didn't, and I can't probably. (laughs) Maybe uh, next year we can do it as a station, and you know we are, you know, we do have some betting shows on our network, so our fans can uh can put some (laughs) unofficial bets on who's gonna. Or I mean, over under times, you know, we can. That Take could be something. Over. I think, I, like, I think we by age we need to do like a um, like the, the how much like minutes we get to knock off of our final time because I am the oldest right now in this studio, significantly older than both of you. So I think I should, you know, obviously have the most that can be deducted from my time, and then next would be Michael, and then Paul, we just have to go with his time. That That's that's the only way we keep it fair. You guys are going to beat age. me anyway. Why are we... <laughs> why so, are we? So, sounds good. It's almost like uh, 
the spread, right? <laughs> That's <laughs> <what>. <laughs> oh, Who's going to win straight up? We're, we're, ta- we're taking the bets here. Uh, no, I've always said I wanted to do at least the Great Aloha Run, but... We, we go back and forth with the whole marathon thing. That's, that by far is too long. But I, Great Aloha Run's not too bad. Uh, and then again, the Hawaii Pacific Health Women's 5K. I'm like, you know what? Maybe I'll do it. Maybe I'll get some of my sisterhood people to do it with us and, because oh. one of our sisters, uh, Claire Tong, is part of Hawaii Pacific Health. So, you know what? It might work out this year if we all get together and do it. So we'll see if I can talk some of them into and and I might. Even just, oh, as Paul is like taking the sweater off and show it for all of the people watching on YouTube, rocking the pink sisterhood t-shirt from last year's sisterhood social. Shout out to you, Paul. (laughs) As we started off the entire show, obviously repping the sisterhood, that is the University of Hawaii women's basketball program, completing the trifecta over the weekend. Well, I guess the trifecta started last Thursday, getting the win on Thursday, getting the win on Saturday. And setting a new attendance record under head coach Laura Beeman, hopefully continuing to break that record and maybe looking ahead, getting the three-peat. But lots of exciting things going on at UH. And another game that, or another series I wasn't able to watch, go over to the baseball diamond. University of Hawaii baseball got underway this weekend with Hawaii splitting with a very quality program that is Ole Miss. So drop the first two, the first game of all games. And I can't believe, I can't believe, but I can believe when I made that joke last week on the show about um, the doubleheader, I made the joke where on Saturday, like, hey, you know, the doubleheader game, the second game starts at four. So people that are going to baseball can easily go over to the Stan Sheriff Center and go to women's basketball. And I joked, I was like, well, uh, considering how this team has done and how Rich Hill manages, not a knock on Rich Hill because it, it ends up in wins. So, but hear me out. It's just because the games go extra long. I think there were a few instances last season where nine inning games went four hours, which is unheard of. So it would be fitting that the first game to open up the rainbow baseball season went to 13 innings and game time was just under five hours of the game time like I was shocked I was already in Kona and when we I guess for my family's in my family's world the party ended early so like 11 30 I got back to my hotel room and I'm like wait a minute this game is still going on (laughs) so uh Paul it was going on so long he had to take his other half home and come back to finish up the the rest of the game and the recap and whatnot and his media duties so uh, what were some of the things you saw in that which you know Hawaii dropped it 5-4 to Ole Miss but at least they again they won the last two of the four game series but what can you tell us just not only of the game itself but just the atmosphere it was a sold out crowd standing room only were avail was available so Another great weekend and a great start to Rainbow Baseball in hindsight. Even though it was a split, nonetheless, it was a quality team. It's The UH should feel good about this. It was a really fun weekend. I mean, two teams that got some top 25 consideration, which is super fun. Ole Miss, uh, first off, shout out to all of the fans of Ole Miss because they have been super, super kind and nice on social media. Gave a lot of uh, shout outs to our Kanoa Leahy and Spectrum, and uh, it's been a really good time to watch the first four games. Over the uh, the first night, yeah, you're right, I did have to take my other half home. Part of that, she was up 
uh, at 5 a.m. So uh, when the game entered into hour number four, that was a little bit more than she had signed up for. But nonetheless, it was a super fun game, 13 innings and uh, whatnot. They are able to come back from down three runs early on. Uh, Harrison Bodendorf, last year freshman All-America, now this year uh, starts off the year going against a high-quality team in the Rebels, gives up a, I mean, an absolute shot over the left field fence in the second inning, and uh, from there settles right back on in. A nice job by him. Afterwards, from there, the Bows start to play their small ball where they put up runs it's they fight deep into counts. It's singles baseball. And then also Austin Machado, you might have heard him. Machado is excellent. He he transferred in from St. John's, the catcher, and he's DH'd a bit through this first weekend, obviously. Dallas J. Duarte, the starting catcher for the Rainbow Warriors. And I tell you what, Machado off the top of the fence. Brings home the first run of the year. Ben Ziegler-Namoa does a nice job getting in under the tag, even though the throw beat him there. He had to get held up. So really good job by the Bows in day one, despite falling in 13 innings. Made a lot of jokes about hoping that it would, uh, the game would end and they would release us that night. Uh, And then the next two games, no, no extra innings. Um, a split in that doubleheader on Saturday, the Bows picking up their first win of the year in the second game, and then a great, great outing yesterday, 13-4, the victory for the Rainbow Warriors, as we've seen some of these newest faces, those freshman pitchers, especially for UH, really put on on Sunday, so it was a fun weekend. You split against the team that won the national championship in 2022, and then Mm -hmm. on top of that, Last year, not as good a year, but they play in the stacked SEC. Seven, count them, seven transfers in the starting lineup on that Friday game. Sorry, the Friday game there, and seven high-impact transfers at that. Going to be a really fun year for the Rainbow Warriors as they take on some high-level talent Mm -hmm. as well. I was checking out the top 100 draft prospects for this year's MLB draft, and... uh, UC Santa Barbara has a couple uh, in there as well, uh, ranked in the top 100. So stay tuned this year as, uh, oh, also NC State, who they play next up. They have one of the top-rated players, somebody who played for Team USA this past year. So a lot of really high-quality baseball on the way, both in the less and just in general for UH baseball. Is this the Breck guy? No, he plays for uh, he plays for Idle or Iowa. I actually I made a joke about him uh, that he yeah he might be going probably in the first round of the MLB draft. But does he have a wiffle ball championship like I do with my friends in an undefeated season? I don't think so. So you know, kind of kind of evens out the Brecht uh, race just like that. <laughs> I was laughing when you sent us that because you were texting our group. Uh, thread about oh yeah going to look at all these prospects and then you sent us a screenshot I was like hey this is your new favorite player that you're rooting for with the new Brecht he throws 101 it was cool it was cool to read I was like okay okay uh you know yeah of course I throw 101 (laughs) (laughs) because well they also compared him to uh the number one overall pick oh gosh now I'm gonna butcher his last name Paul Skeens or Skines or however like that however you say Paul 
So I saw Paul and I saw Brecht in the same write-up, and uh, it's the 19th overall prospect in this year's draft. So yeah, me. You're welcome, beautiful <laughs> <Me>. people. <laughs> I am there. So huge, again, huge start this weekend for the Rainbow Warriors, a.k.a. the Base Bows, splitting with Ole Miss, as we mentioned, not too far removed from winning the national championship, but falling the first game as... Paul was saying at thir- or four to five in 13 innings on Friday. First game of the doubleheader that went seven, falling 5-2. And then turning around on the back end and winning nine, se- nine once, excuse me, in seven innings and 13-4 on Sunday. It was a winning weekend for the most part. But we already talked about other stuff. So <laughs> uh, we've got to step aside. When we come back, we will get you caught up with some of the high school stuff going on this weekend because we're just still rocking on a roll in our number two here on Wake Up in the Den. Wake Up in the Den with Kuule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Welcome back to Wake Up in the Den, Kule Agbayani, Paul Brecht, and Michael Lescaro. If you've never tuned in to the, uh, well, if you usually tune in at this time, but you're like, who are these people? Uh, Well, this is the local show that we have here on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. It's a holiday, so uh, usually we're on from just 8 to 9 a.m. Monday through Friday, uh, but we decided, as we did last week, Monday as well, going through a second hour on this President's Day holiday. So if this is your first time tuning in, hello and welcome. And we hope that you will listen to us on the regular again, usually from eight to nine, or you can listen on demand at hawaiisportsradio.com or wherever you get your podcast. So welcome, welcome. If you're a new listener to this show, uh, because we went two hours today and we're rocking and rolling with on this President's Day holiday, uh, mentioned it to start off the second hour. Shout out to all of the Hawaii Pacific Health uh, Great Aloha Run participants. We will figure out the um, betting lines that we will do for next year for our <laughs> Hawaii Sports Radio Network crew. I, st- I still think it's funny that how many years ago Alan Mia and I, uh, well, not and I, I never agreed to it, but Alan Mia tried to bet in the beginning of the year that, hey, let's both participate in the Honolulu Marathon and I never agreed but then it did come and neither did Alan either so at least you know I didn't completely space on that that's good (laughs) that's good at least I still refuse to uh, agree to running from this far out maybe if I agree it will be come because I you know six months beforehand I'm like okay I'm gonna train for this but (laughs) nonetheless you know uh, I will give you the effort that we saw in the NBA All-Star game yesterday. That is that is what we will get from me in any type of long-distance running events. Which we will let Paul go on his rant um, in just a little bit. But I want to catch you up with some of the things going on in local sports, being that it is the week of the Heidi and Cook HHSA Boys Basketball State Championships. So just to uh, let everybody know about the how the bracket set up so far in Division One. Uh, getting the automatic buy into the quarterfinals are the top four seeds. Uh, St. Louis is getting the fir- got the first seed. Baldwin at number four. Lelehua, the OIA champ, which you heard that game as they edged out Midilani. Uh, they get the number two seed. You can also hear that on demand at hawaiisportsradio.com and click on the OIA sports tab. Not just the broadcast, but videos and recaps as well. Uh, and the three seed goes to Kamehameha Schools, Hawaii. And the first round of games 
Games gets underway today. So Hilo and Nanakuli play at Hilo. Winner moves on to take on St. Louis. Uh, Midilani and Kalahale play at Midilani today. And that winner goes on to take on Baldwin. In the other side of the bracket, you have Kamehameha Schools, Maui and Kahuku. That game being played on Maui. A winner plays Lelehua, and then you have Punahou and Kailua. That winner goes on to play Kamehameha Schools Hawaii in the quarterfinal round on Thursday. Looking at the Division Two bracket, now there the bracket has less teams, so they do not have games today, and the tournament will start with the quarterfinal round on Thursday. So this is how that looks. The number one overall seed is Kohala, and they will play Le Jardin. And number four seed Kapa'a will take on number five seed Kaimu Ki. And the number two seeded University Lab will take on Aiea. And number three seed Seabury will uh, take on Pahoa. So again, quarterfinal rounds on Thursday. No Division Two action uh, ahead of the quarterfinal round. All right. So we'll kind of kick it over to our Michael Lescaro, who also uh, double duties with our partners there at scoringlive.com, who is very much in the know when it comes to some of these high school sports. So what are some of the teams and players for the audience to look out for and maybe some surprises that we could potentially see? Yeah, we have a very competitive field uh, today. You know, I think on the top we had uh, or coming from the top of my list, we have Nana Cooley playing Hilo and this Nana Cooley team, in, in Division One, they were supposed to go down to Division Two this past season, but they felt like they had a squad, and that's what you know. We talk about Division Two. That's why IAEA was in Division Two in the OI Championship, and they're they're they made the Final Four in the OI. So look for them to kind of advance in that 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 bracket. But I'm looking at the two um games here on Oahu, where you have Kailua playing Punahou and you have Kalahale playing Mililani, and this Puno team was was kind of. St- hot at the start of the season but they dropped some some games recently and you know Kailua they they gotta be hungry after losing to Lelehua the champion of the Hawaii in double overtime so that that might be I don't know if you can call it an upset but you know Punahou being the 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 two seed from the ILH you know that's the game to watch and Mililani and, and Kala Hale you know um that's one I think our own Paul Brecht has a you know he wants one of Kalaiha to do well but he doesn't seem to be Milani but they're kind of similar in the sense that they both have um balanced attacks and you know and will it be the same case for both teams or will somebody kind of step up and 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 you know take over the game you know and for Milani I think they do have that with a guy like Timothy Thorne you know he's awesome you know definitely can play on the next level over on Division Two. I was looking at the seedings, and I'm surprised Kamuki is a fifth seed. I think mm-hmm. they, they got shafted there. I don't know about too much about Seabury, but, you know, it kind of sucks that Kamuki and, and you know, if they got to get Pescapal first, but then they would play Kohala, who's also a strong team in Division Two. So that, that kind of kind of sucks. But at Division Two, if you go if you do go out to watch Division Two this year in boys basketball, that there's no there's no lackluster games. I was Close to Division One, we might might see some blowouts in the quarterfinal round, but in the in Division Two, there's going to be competitive games all across the board. Yeah, what do you know, or what maybe do you know about this Kohala squad? Anyways, um, they're just kind of um, they're kind of they're they're just got that over the program. They have they have strong players. Um, I know a couple of years back they had a player named Ocean Casimero, and he was really good. All name team. Yeah. Oh, and, totally. And they just. They just have a quality program. You know, a lot of times the neighbor island teams, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of turnover. But if you can get the right guy, the right coach, and then, you know, 
also in you know these court sports you don't need to fill the full team like like nine players in baseball or 11 in football and 11 in soccer so you can you can get by with you know limited players because you only need to have five on the court at one time so um university is another team to watch out for um there might be i've heard some rumors that their best player trey ambrosich might be out for the season <laughs> well you know rumors are rumors yeah but you know that's one to watch out for as well but you know definitely iaa you know they they could they sh- they could have been the uh, division two champions of the oa but they you know a kaimoki a, a better team just kind of put it together in the second half so there there's just you know great basketball all around sucks that i won't be here to watch it though i know you're going to be gone this week it's okay we'll try to bring you some coverage in between uh what's going on this week with uh hpu high school so many so many many things and i just want to kind of reiterate your point when you bring up you know with basketball especially where you only need a limited amount of players we go back to the oia girls basketball division two champs in mckinley the last few years they've had limited amounts of players including this year and they've been able to yeah have the right coach in place figure out ways to win so that's what always makes basketball really fun because yeah you maybe only need like a rotation of six um and to to really be competitive hey if you have your five and they're all in shape then you can get that done as well but uh, i want to bring in paul here for a second because you were in attendance for that doubleheader oia championship action so just want to know what you think in your outlook on the squads like your Mililani, Lelehua, uh, Aiea, and Kaimuki. Yeah, I can give you a general idea on the four. You heard Michael talk a little bit about Mililani and Timothy Dorn. I, I anointed him a star on Oahu after that game, even despite the loss, because our Kyle Galdera compared it to a Victor Wembenyama-esque oh. triple-double type effort where you saw Dorn put up 20, 10, and then seven blocks in a losing effort. And even so, you probably could have seen a few more blocks if Dorn hadn't gone out with an injury for a little bit, came down hard, fell. And uh, that's a team that's pretty impressive because on top of Dorn, you also have a Roman Gabriel who did not have his best game in the OIA championship. And that's a kid who can really go out there and score knock it down from distance. He couldn't knock it down from distance in that championship game. And all of us have off-shooting nights. The greatest shooters of all time have off-shooting nights. Steph Curry has had a game where he didn't make a single three before. It happens. I expect him to bounce back. You have Ezekiel Virtudes, who was phenomenal in that game without scoring the basketball very much. He had the go-ahead bucket right before the Tristan Stevens three-pointer that put Lelehua ahead in the final moments. Lelehua, I'm excited about them. Twain Wilson's a guy who's going to play at the mm-hmm. next level. I don't know where, I don't know who, but the college coach that sees and gets him, that is a great crab. That kid can play some defense. He gets out there into the passing lanes, and he's fast, he's athletic. You see him get up towards the rim and finish really, really well. So I'm excited about Lelehua as well because you have a star, and a lot of times in postseason play, that's just something you need. Is You need a guy who can go out there and get you a bucket. We talk a lot about how that was a problem with UH a lot of times this season where it was who was going to go out and get us a bucket, and finally Justin McCoy finally doing that mm-hmm. for the Rainbow Warriors. Well, for the Mules, for Lelehua, there's never an issue. There's never a question about you know game on the line, who's getting the ball in their hands to make a play, and I, I – put that phrasing purposefully of make a play and not make a shot because Twain Wilson, while he can score, we did see him 
to win the OIA championship gave up a ball, passed it off to a teammate, made the right play. So those two teams, I'm excited to see. Lelehua, uh, obviously, going to get the winner of Chaos Maui and Kahuku. And, and then Mililani taking on Kalaheo. And Michael jokes a little bit that I, I was rooting <laughs> for Kalaheo because I, I am. I he, did. Knows, he knows Mililani if he knows what's good for him. Not just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, either way, I, it's fine. <laughs> I joked about uh, rooting for Kalaheo because I did see them at one of HPU's most recent that's home right, games. That's right. And uh, I, I was happy to see them there and the continued outreach for Jesse Nakanishi's squad there. So that's part of the reason why I was... Oh, Kalaheo, Kalaheo. So okay. fun you're, to see them excused. play each other. I, 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 okay, I'll give you that. I like <laughs> that too. Well, real quick though, do you, either of you know off the top of your head, because we were talking about these four teams, if Twain Wilson is dual sport or is he more of a basketball player? Because I think too, like Jeremiah White for Kaimoki, who is an, a phenomenal basketball player for the Bulldogs, but his main sport seems to be football, right? So is Twain a dual sport or is basketball? Sorry to put either of you on the spot, but it just kind of hit me. I was like, and we can probably look it up during the break, but I just, if any of you guys know off the top of your head, if he is strictly basketball, because we talked, you'd mentioned him possibly playing at the next level. But if he is like a Jeremiah White, where it seems like football is more of the path and they just happen to be very and kind of like all the St. Louis guys, like sure. football is like their main sport, and they just happen to be really good at basketball. I I think he's, he's just strictly basketball because that guy's so talented. If he played another sport, we would we would know about it. Mm. I think even too like I don't even think uh, he came out to try out. I think the head coach for Leila Hull was That's like right. saw him on the <laughs> in school. And was like, hey, do you guys play ball? <laughs> and That's sure enough, right. they, yeah. I remember that story being mentioned in the post game where because he was asked something about how were you able to build this Lelihua squad to what it is. And he did bring up Twain. You're right, Michael, where he's like, I just saw him in the hallway and asked him and he came out and oh, he's good. (laughs) So that's that is interesting. We've got to get more details on that one day because that is fascinating. Should that be? I mean, I'm not saying that he was lying about that, but I want to know the real details about how that really went down. Gritty. Yeah. No, that's a that's a good call out by you, Michael, because that was in the post game presser or presser post game interview. And uh, no, Twain Wilson, phenomenal, phenomenal basketball player. His younger brother, Tyree Wilson, also had a nice game in that um, OIA championship, helping lead the Mules to their first championship in 36 years. You can catch that broadcast on demand as well on HawaiiSportsRadio.com or wherever you get most broadcasts or podcasts at that. But I'm also glad you bring up Jeremiah White and Kaimuki and what a what a comeback for the Bulldogs. And mm-hmm. that's a team who I look at and I have a lot of belief in. Michael mentioned how they, they kind of drew the short end of the stick getting the five seed uh, after after winning the title and, and a great comeback by them. Jeremiah White, I mean, what a what a great kid, just a, a phenomenal human being. Mm-hmm. And you could see him as a leader uh, just to help bring back the Bulldogs in that game. And those type of experiences are interesting to me. I talked about it on the D1 broadcast uh, with our Kyle Galdera on if Lelehua playing a double overtime game in the semifinals, yes, it could have been a bad thing or a detriment to them, but playing and being able to contribute and execute in late game situations you know, how helpful could that be? And we saw that actually come to fruition in that D1 game and kind of similar for D2. Now I have this belief and 
Kaimuki that it doesn't matter how much they're down, how much they're out, they're going to continue fighting, keep playing, and have an opportunity to fight against any of those teams in Division 2, similar for IAEA, where, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, they may have come up short, but they showed enough to me in that game where they have scorers, they have guys who can go out and get a bucket, and just like I kind of mentioned with Twain Wilson, when it comes to the playoffs, all it takes is a guy who can have an unreal performance one night to push you through to the next round, and in single game elimination, that's, uh, that's all you need. Well, we'll see what happens this week. If anyone can dethrone the back-to-back state champs in Division One, that is St. Louis, and if Kohala can repeat as the state champs off of the Big Island. All right, we'll be back to talk some NBA next on Wake Up in the Den. Wake Up in the Den with Kuwale Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. Welcome back to all of you, the beautifulest of all the beautiful people. It's Wake Up in the Den. I'm Kule Agbayani alongside Paul Brecht and Michael Lascaro, a.k.a. DJ Mike G. Today or this morning when he's behind the controls. All right. Like we mentioned to start off our number two of Wake Up in the Den, it's a special two hour game time decision that we made this morning since it's President's Day. If you are just hearing us for the first time because you're normally not listening, uh, we forgive you. But <laughs> welcome. Normally, we're just on from 8 to 9 a.m. all every weekday. And for most holidays as well, we just can never stay away from chatting with you guys for more than the weekend. So uh, if it's a three-day holiday or whatnot, chances are we will still be here to have fun with you guys in the den. But um, mahalo for tuning in uh, to the show or on demand at hawaiisportsradio.com or to any of our broadcasts that we have here on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, including this week we will bring you some HPU Sharks action and not basketball this time this week. We brought you a few games for HPU men's and women's basketball. But finally, the return of baseball and softball, which has been super exciting uh, to look forward to. Kyle Galdera will be calling the action. So Thursday, we will bring you HPU baseball versus Chaminade. And then Saturday, we will have a doubleheader featuring HPU softball taking on UH Hilo, the final season for softball at Howard A. Okita Field. So uh, if you are not listening, well, I guess you could bring your handheld radios as well to the softball games and baseball games, but encourage you to come down. Uh, it's a beautiful field if you have not been there already. So hope to guys see you guys out at Howard A. Okita Field as this will be the final season there on the windward side and then uh, out at court for, I mean, you can get a lot of baseball. You have HPU that will be playing there, Chaminade that will be playing there this season, and then a few games at the less for Division Two baseball can't believe and it's just getting started and before the break we were chatting some um, high school basketball that's going on this week as well but uh, fun times uh, during these and NBA all-star break including Sabrina Ionescu really giving a scare to Steph Curry there and for all of you people that are like 
oh, well, sure, 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 with the NBA basketball, yada, yada, yada. I'm like, I'll go back to what Coach B said when she was on our show. When anytime people try to make the comparison on, oh, a man could beat a woman, like basketball player, all these things, like you're just being misogynistic because at the end of the day, Steph Curry agreed and he's very supportive to have Sabrina shoot with the WNBA basketball. And for anyone that has actually shot two different uh, basketballs, Steph Curry could have very much lost that game had he shot with a WNBA basketball because it'll just completely throw off your rhythm. So I don't want to hear it. Let's just celebrate both players equally, Sabrina and Steph, because at the end of the day, they are just doing wonderful things for the sport and you just love to see it. And yeah, all these couch potatoes that are complaining online where you have the greatest shooter of all time and Steph Curry completely supporting Sabrina Ionescu and elevating women's basketball so i don't want to hear it steph and multiple nba players are all on board so all of you wannabes can just shush i mean (laughs) let's let's just be real here let's call a spade a spade sabrina in her round scored the highest out of anyone except for the thanos of three-point shooting (laughs) if she competed in the actual three-point contest she would have had the same score as damian lillard who won the three-point contest on top of this, do either of you know why they did this? Uh, because this this was my biggest frustration with the TNT broadcast. The reason they had this three-point shootout, Sabrina broke Steph's three-point shootout record. Like, that, that was mentioned once at the start and then not harped on at all. Sabrina put up 37 points in a three-point shooting contest last year. Do you guys know how insane that is? Mm-hmm. Like, go, I, I retweeted it for all the beautiful people who want to see. I retweeted it out on my social media where you can see the actual performance that Sabrina put on at the past three-point shootout. And it is actually insane. And to your point about, oh, WNBA ball versus NBA ball. Shut up. Shut up, shut up, <laughs> exactly. shut up, shut up, shut up. You know what they play with in the N- or the NBA? An NBA ball. You know what they play with in the WNBA? A WNBA ball. Guess what? It's a certain set of skills. It's the same reason why you're not going to give an issue to a softball player about baseball or a baseball player about softball because the games are a little bit different. But guess what? The concept's still there. Shooting from NBA distance. Totally mm-hmm. fine right there. Guess what? Shooting from an NBA distance. I hate it. Kenny Smith sounded like such oh a gosh. moron throughout this entire weekend. It was an embarrassment. I, I am such a supporter of the TNT broadcast typically, but oh my it goodness. Was it was a 101 of how to lose your job in media from Kenny Smith this weekend of just saying random things. And this is an issue that we take with baseball a lot of times where it's like, do baseball announcers even like their own sport? (laughs) That's true, because they basically call it boring all the time. And that was the thing (laughs) where it was so frustrating where you're sitting here and you have two of the greatest shooters the sport has ever seen. Sabrina Ionescu, I just mentioned, broke Steph Curry's record of a three-point shootout using her league's basketball. Mm -hmm. And we only heard about it once throughout that entire broadcast. An embarrassment. An embarrassment from the broadcast team for that. And honestly, really disappointing because I have a lot of respect for that broadcast team typically. So I was really sad to see that. But an awesome event nonetheless. And I'm glad you talk about how Sabrina and Steph both extend and push the game for other people because it showed that, like I just said, if Sabrina doesn't go against the Thanos of three-point shooting, the greatest shooter to ever touch a basketball... Mm -hmm. She probably wins. She put the 
she put the pressure on Steph. Steph talked about it openly, how he knew he had to go out and put a performance, and if not for that last rack, catching fire in the last rack as well, he loses. It was an awesome, awesome event. In my opinion, the best event of the weekend. I didn't realize the ball thing was such an issue. I mean, this is the ball that she practices with. This is the ball where she hones her craft with. And if you want her to use a different ball, that just already sets her back in the competition. And you want to see them going back and forth. You want it to be to see it being neck and neck. And for all those, you know, people that are complaining about the ball, you better not be the ones when you play pickup basketball <laughs> where he's like, no, we're going to use that ball. No, we don't want to use that ball. We're going to use that ball. Because if you are, then you have, then, you know, you got you, if you're gonna complain about the ball and pick up, you cannot complain about the ball between Sabrina and, and Steph. It's the people that are complaining the most are like that one movie and along came Polly and I forget the actor's name where he's like Mega Rain and it's oh like all, it's like bricking and everything. But but like I said, if the if Steph if, what they could have made Steph use a WNBA ball and he could have very well missed it because everyone forgets that part of the reason why they can shoot the way they shoot is because it's like mechanical and they have the flow and because the weight and the size is a little different that could very much throw off Steph Curry so we could have really done the darn thing and make Steph use a WNBA ball and he could have very much lost so we were trying to keep it the most even as possible again we did what makes sense he shot from the, the, the NBA line like you know how Frigid far that line is. I think people forget how far it is. And for Sabrina Correct. to be able to make that many shots from that distance, like it's not like your 24-hour fitness or going to the park type of line. It's far. If you look at the court and you see what little space there is between, like if you're at the corner between the three-point line and the uh, end line, you're like, that's not very, that's how far the NBA three-point line is. And they did the darn thing. And shout out again, no complaints. It was competitive and they're doing the best like we mentioned the greatest shooter the Thanos I like that of three-point shooting he clearly did not have a problem with it so anyone complaining including Kenny Smith should just zip it because (laughs) he (sighs) entered into that competition very much respecting Sabrina's shooting and was risking it all that he could potentially lose to Sabrina and he agreed to all the terms so anyone that has a problem like I'm just like I can't believe all of these people uh, posting and talking from their mom's couch that probably never shot a basketball in their life are like, oh, she didn't shoot, shoot with an NBA ball. <laughs> I, I said this to my partner yesterday, and I, I truly mean it. Unfiltered internet access for everyone <laughs> is a mistake. It's such a mistake. Well, just for the matter, and you might hear that and be like, oh, you're, eh, call me names, whatever. Um, no, I, it's just so many people have an opportunity to outwardly hate for no reason and that's what that was because like I said in my opinion that was the best that the Steph Sabrina shootout was the best event of all-star weekend all-star game included like it was just here we go this is where I wanted I'm like now we transition to <sighs> to Paul and his uh Wait, his I got, I got okay more. okay okay Mike well, before wanna... Paul goes on his yeah. final rant for NBA all-star weekend I want to shout out uh, Kool-Aid's tweet from a couple nights ago. We didn't talk about people complaining about the ball. No. Compliments are yes. greater than complaints. Put that on a t-shirt. There we go. With the greater I would than wear, sign. I would wear that every <laughs> single day. We're we going to do it. We'll put a little logo with well, our, our logo, say, too. We'll need the that compliments greater than complaints, HSR. Yes. <laughs> that's just what we'll harp on here. All right, Paul. Ugh. 
we'll give you a, a few minutes on your back on your pedestal again for because uh, I mean I love the NBA Paul and I have our banters about when the Knicks and Magic play <laughs> uh, Michael here is a Pacers fan so we very much love the NBA but there is nobody that I know more that religiously watches his team play and really keeps up with the NBA regular season for like as much as Paul does. So that's why of all people, I'm like, you know what, Paul, go ahead with your bad self about the <laughs> NBA all-star game. I'm not the only one who, who had an issue with the all-star game. I know you're not, but in and this realm, yes. I feel like you would be the best person to speak on it. That's fair. Um, it's, and, and this is not a new issue. I mean, all-star game events in all of the professional sports leagues, it feels like, except for baseball, are terrible. Like, and, and part of it is there's no incentive for the players. And that's why baseball does do it right, where the all-star game, well, now all of a sudden you have the you have home field advantage, home court advantage on the line. I like that. Mm-hmm. I think it's cool to add stakes. To that point. It should not take you having some sort of incentive to be competitive. These are supposed to be the greatest athletes in the world. These are supposed to be some of the greatest competitors in the world. Very frustrating to see an event have two quarters of over 100 points scored where it's the best players in the world, where it's a glorified pickup game, where it's not. I don't even know. It feels embarrassing to call it a glorified pickup game because, oh, my gosh, 211 to 186. (laughs) 211 to 186. Sit here and think about that actual scoring. Jason Tatum broke the scoring record last year, two years ago. Nobody cares. How many points did Carl Anthony Towns have yesterday? Do either of you know? No. He had 50. 50 points in the All-Star game. Nobody cares because (laughs) the game's a joke. It's not competitive. They took out the Elam ending for whatever reason this year which was the only reason why most people started watching the All-Star game recently in the fourth quarter because it actually made the game competitive where you had a target score and both teams had to actually fight tooth and nail and whatever. Why did they take that away? I couldn't tell you. Couldn't tell you. But that's part of it. It's just it's frustrating because we see the same thing in the NFL with the Pro Bowl where it's a flag football game that nobody cares about anymore. And... The leagues are trying to figure it out, and I do give them credit for that. But at this point, scrap the event. Give the players a week off, because that's essentially what it is. The The ratings are declining. Listen to Adam Silver post-game yesterday, where when he's giving the East the trophy, he says, well, you guys scored the most points, so... Here you go. Oh, gosh. <laughs> that was the congratulations for winning the All-Star game. Like, it just, it, it feels pointless at this point. And as a basketball fan, it's disappointing because the NBA Finals are supposed to be the pinnacle of basketball. I do understand that. Yeah. But this is the only time other than the Olympics and the World Cup that you get all of the best players in the world, all of the best players in the league, every single one of them, at the peak of their powers together in one place to play against each other. It should be one of the most exciting, fun events of the year where you see LeBron going against, you know, Giannis or KD going up against whoever. It's it's sad. 
on that note, I do want to close. Oh, did you have something to say? One last thing for you to say, Michael, before I close out this topic? Yeah, I think it's just all on the players. And one thing about the NBA is that it's kind of been kind of become a fraternity. And there really isn't like players that have like, you know, hated, you know, or just heated, you know, feelings with another people. I think the last time we saw it competitive was, you know, when Kobe Bryant was still playing. And, yeah. you know, there was the, the Kobe and LeBron comparisons and, you know, trying to see who's going to be the better between them. And, like, Kobe took it upon himself to shut down LeBron in that one game. I think it was maybe it was 2016 or 2015. Can't remember. But, you know, he 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 knew LeBron, if he goes left, he's going to shoot a jumper. And that's how he's able to get a block on, on LeBron. So it, it's 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 totally on the players. Maybe the league can make some incentive where, like, if you win the game, you have home court advantage in the finals for that the squad because they did go back to east to west, east and west. Or maybe they can just be like the Rising Stars game and just make every quarter a target. Or we can make it like volleyball. I mean, it's not basketball, but like first to 25, and if you best best three out of five, maybe that might be more competitive. It just needs something to figure out. Scott Van Pelt, I thought, tweeted it out uh, very succinctly and put it very perfectly, and that's why I'll end my rant with this. If you show us you don't care, we also will not. And that... I think was perfect. If the players do not care, the fans will not care. And that I think is where we have gotten with the all-star game at this point. And for me, a basketball uh, hoops junkie, it's disappointing and it's sad to see. We'll see what happens if it changes. But I did want to close out this topic with something that a UH women's basketball head coach, Laura Beeman said in that post-game presser about the difference between women's basketball and men's basketball is that, you know, with men's basketball, especially in the NBA, it has become very much money driven where that's the thing. It's like they just play for, he said, she never said it blatantly, play for the money. But in women's basketball, uh, because and hopefully the women get to somewhere close to where they don't have to think about or contemplate about playing overseas one day. But that's what keeps the women's game so pure is that they are naturally just going out there to compete against each other and that's why the game has leveled up and is so interesting to watch because you don't have a bunch of devos that are just like eh, I don't feel like playing today or whatnot or yeah I'm not getting paid enough so I'm just gonna like slack off or I am getting paid a lot so you know what I'm just gonna cruise for now um, but in her in the best way that she puts it if you missed it you can go watch it on her YouTube channel or listen to it earlier on demand but Coach B basically says that is like that's the big difference right now is because the women's game, they genuinely play and they play their hardest because there is no underlying reason that has to deal with the money. So perfect way to end it as we segue back to the Rainbow Wahine basketball squad. But uh, we'll be right back to close out the second hour of Wake Up in the Den. Back to more Wake Up in the Den with Ku'ule Agbayani on the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, 95.1 FM and AM 760. It's Wake Up in the Den, Ku'ule Agbayani, Paul Brecht, and Michael Lascaro closing out our hour number two that we did in, oh no, impromptu, I'm sorry. Anything happens outside the windows of these streets of Kalihi and I don't know. I just see someone with a shopping cart and he fell over, but I don't know what's going on over there by the bus stop. Um, yeah, that's just what They're getting help. Don't okay, worry. I'm like, They're I'm like help. oh no, I just kind of saw it on the side of my eye as I'm looking out the window. I'm like, oh, uh, is he okay? I mean, it is kind of windy outside, so 
Um, it's my worry every time I come in on the moped. I'm always worried I'm going to get oh blown goodness. over. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. He's he's up and he's a moving. So um, shout out to whoever's out there helping. Um, please go out and do your good deeds and help people out there. But he seems to be okay. So, all right. Anyways, that that's enough of that play-by-play. <laughs> Anything happens outside these windows. That's Shout out like. to that beautiful person for helping <laughs> yeah. without any incentive. Yeah. <laughs> Great reaction time there. Ooh, that was it. Yeah, that was, I love how you weaved in what we were talking about in our <laughs> previous segment. No, no incentive whatsoever. Yes, but okay, good. Yeah, he seems okay. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry because it looks well okay so I, I'm I'm you know want to make sure he's oh no oh no 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 where is he going he does not know I'm sorry I'm super distracted because this cool. this, this is looks the like time an, well because it looks like it, an older gentleman and not um your typical Kalihi people that you see outside our windows he looks like a mixture of the typical Kalihi people and an older gentleman though yeah oh that person's going back over again to help is he okay he needs to he'll be okay i hope so uh, i will check him out after yeah we'll go down there over. we only have a few more minutes and go <laughs> check him out but um fortunately there is someone outside so again shout out that person is does seem to be helping him on his way uh here in right outside our studio so um sorry i digress because <laughs> is he able to walk under his own power he well he has a shopping cart so does that technically constitute under your own power well it then? looks like he has a i guess a cane or something in his shopping cart so okay He's, he's, he's doing good. Okay. He has made Whew. it past. All right. I, I was about to like run out there, like, but fortunately there are other people outside. So shout out to all you guys that are helping him uh, so that we would have to like end this show and be like, gotta go. Beautifulest uh, of all the beautiful people. Yeah. You are. So anyways, uh, to close out the show, I want to tell you uh, the fun story actually really quick. I'm going to give it to Paul real quick because I need to make sure I double check the end of the show on the logs to make sure that everything goes smoothly. So uh, uh, talk about something, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about something, Paul. I can always talk about something. Uh, As much as we would have loved to hear about Kule's wonderful trip to Hilo, uh, the All-Star game uh, was not as fun as I wanted it to be, which is why you should watch Rainbow (laughs) Wahine basketball. Thanks. No, I'm back. No problem. This is what happens. This is what happens when you do game time decisions um, to close out uh, the show. All right. So, yes, was in Hilo. So my day yesterday, coming back to the airport or trying to make my way back to the airport, no Ubers available. We timed it perfectly thinking, okay, our flight was at 2.55, so boarding starts at 2.30. Um, we're like, all right, we'll leave Kona area at like 1.30 at the latest. Tried to find an Uber. No cars available, which was weird because earlier in the day, we're like, there's cars available. Um, and then no cars available. So then we're stressing. We're like, all right, 10 minutes go by. Still no, still no Ubers available. And I'm like, this is weird. I mean, I know we're in like on the big Island, but usually in those touristy areas, there's at least something available. Um, let's call a cab. And then they'll say, this is around nine 30. They're like, okay, we'll be there in 20 minutes at the like 20 to 30 minutes. I'm like, all right, we'll just, we'll just book it because I'm like, you know, if we leave by two o'clock, we can get to the airport by 2.30. I have TSA pre-check. All good. Um, then the cab, it's like 1.50. Cab's still not there. I call them back. They're like, yeah, we'll be there in like 20 minutes. So another 20 minutes. Oh, my gosh. So we're stressing at this point. And finally, we check Uber and there are cars available. So we book that and just make it to the airport in time at 2.30 to get on the airplane and make air. And luckily, I wasn't stressed, though, because coming from the Big Island, there's always flights available. Um, but made it back. And then this morning, my car doesn't want to start. 
<laughs> so luckily I could get a ride in last minute, but that hell is the last like um, half a day that has been going on for me. And now we're going to finish things up and got to go. So for Paul Brecht, Michael Escarol, I'm Kule Agbayani. Mahalo for listening. Bye.